Sirius XM and Augusta National present The Masters Show. And he puts out for a 68. Ben's best round of the four-day tournament. Hogan wins his first Masters. There's your champion, Fuzzy Zeller, 1979 Masters champion. There it is, as grand as it gets. Tiger has his slam. Masters history, conversations with past champions, previewing this year's tournament and celebrating the unique traditions of the Masters. Bernard, when we put this jacket on you, you become a member of Augusta National Golf Club. You're invited to play in this tournament for the rest of your life. Well, thank okay. Thank you very much, and I'm very proud of that. The Masters Show with your host, Taylor Zarzer, begins right now on Sirius XM. Thank you, Brian Katrick, and welcome to the Masters Show. One month from today, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Lee Elder will be on the first tee before 8 a.m. in the east, just after the sun comes up over beautiful Augusta, Georgia, in springtime. And then the first round of the Masters will be underway. Who will be the favorite to win it? Will it be Bryson DeChambeau just after he put on one of Arnie's red sweaters at the API at Bay Hill on Sunday? Will it be the defending champion Dustin Johnson? Will it be red-hot Jordan Spieth who has suddenly found his form and been top-fiving it out there on tour over the past month? Or will it be someone else that finds some form in the weeks to come with the players this week. A match play event coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Some big events still to come before we get to the Masters next month. We'll talk about that. We'll also take your phone calls tonight at 866-469-0026. Ron Green of Global Golf Post will be with us. We will also celebrate National Women's Day as Augusta National Golf Club has done such a terrific job of celebrating the women's game. Remember... The Augusta National Women's Amateur will conclude at Augusta National on Saturday, April the 3rd. And 70 years ago, one of the greatest players in golf history won his first green jacket. We'll celebrate that milestone victory for Ben Hogan a little later on in the program. But joining us now is the voice of the Masters, Mr. Brian Katrick, who will be heading to the Players this week, BK, I hope you're well. Also, I can't believe we are a month away from the Masters. Wow. I know, it kind of hits you, right, when you hear that. Uh, that uh, Today's date, March the 8th, and April the 8th is the first day of the Masters. We are on our way, my friend. We're getting closer and closer. By the way, there will be a big announcement tomorrow morning about who Brian Katrick's partner will be in the booth, if you will, that'll be there on the 18th green to broadcast the Masters. Something tells me you can't wait until, you have to wait, by the way, until 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. But I, something tells me you're a bit giddy about it. The fact that you guys have kept this from me this long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, very excited. I'm not great at keeping secrets. So the fact that we're only only a few hours away and I can tell everybody after you tell everybody, I, uh, this, this is wonderful. This person is, is going to be excellent. Just, just a wonderful choice for a billion reasons. And I'm honored to sit, to sit there and, and share the booth with him. It's, it's going to be fantastic. We'll talk much more about that on next week's edition 
of the Masters show. Well, Brian, you and I like to look at the field every single week. We have a maximum of 86 players that could participate. Certainly, Tiger Woods is is injured. There are a couple other Masters champions that may not participate. So the field could be closer to 83 players today than it is to 86. However, there are a few that need to stay in the top 50 the next few weeks, and they will earn an invitation to the Masters. They are Robert McIntyre of Scotland, who is currently ranked number 42, and Will Zalatoris of the United States is ranked 46. So just a couple more weeks, BK, holding on in the top 50, and the field will get closer to 90 players. And what what really helps those two is that the the field is set through the World Golf Rankings based on the Sunday before, and the players not only have this week with with extra World Golf Ranking points on the line at the Players' Championship, uh, but you have the short field World Golf Championship's Dell Match Play Championship, which they will both get to play, and there are extra points there as well because of the strength of that field. So they're both in there, not likely to take steps to back up, and and you start to get... To, to where we're running out of time for guys that are not inside that bubble to go get points to catch these guys. So I like their positions right now. Yeah, those guys that are running out of time include Russell Henley at number 58, Kevin Streelman at number 59, and Ricky Fowler is down to number 70. So one of those guys is going to need a big week or big weeks in order to get to gain entry into the 2021 Masters. I want to give you the first crack at the question. As we sit a month away from the Masters, let's not look at what the odds makers are saying. Let's just listen to what Brian Katrick is saying. Who do you think the favorite is today, or is there one? The favorite to win the Masters. Well, I, I think for a whole lot of reasons, and not not the least of which those World Golf rankings that we were just talking about. Uh, I, I think Dustin Johnson is playing with a newfound confidence. I really do. Uh, I think there's plenty of time for John Rahm to pick up that confidence sometime in the next month. Uh, we see that, that Jordan Spieth is gaining confidence every day. Bryson DeChambeau, the winner last week, picks up five spots. He's now just outside the top five in the World Golf Rankings at number six. But I'll take the guy that not only did it last time, but in this particular case, last time was only a few months ago. They, they become back-to-back majors. So the bad news for Dustin Johnson is he's only had a few months to travel around and show off the green jacket that he's so proud of. The good news is you're still bringing some of that strength with you and, and some of that momentum with you. He's already won this season since then. So uh, I like the guy at the top. He still has all those shots, Taylor. He still has all those clubs. <laughs> he, he may still have a sleeve or two of the balls that uh, they brought with him to Augusta. So uh, so I like that guy. And I'm sorry that I'm not going out on a limb. No, well, I think that you're right in, in saying that he still deserves to be the favorite. He's proven he can win there. While Bryson DeChambeau has been magnificent at Wingfoot and at Bay Hill, where there's graduated rough, as you know better than anyone, there isn't that kind of rough at Augusta National. Instead of the rough, there are pine trees, and it's a little more difficult to get out of those than it is the rough. So we'll see if Bryson's able to hit it straight enough to win a green jacket. Those players you just referenced come from categories one, two, and or number three. A player that's in category two and category four as a U.S. Open and PGA champion 
is a guy that withdrew from the players on Sunday due to a knee injury. Brian, if we did this show last week and asked you that question, would you have included Brooks Kepka on your list? I think so. I think the the win uh, that he just picked up in Phoenix was was important for him. And I think that's the type of thing that when you look at some of the other guys on the list, your Justin Thomases and your Rory McIlroys, a win between now and the Masters gives them all that sort of momentum. And we were talking about that with Bryson. Uh, and you kind of felt like that's the direction that Brooks Kepka was heading. Uh, the good news is this is not the left knee that he had been working on for the last few months. This is another knee. This is, It's his right one. He has two. Uh, we don't know the uh, the the extent of the damage at this point. We don't know if this is precautionary, but it does seem like that a little bit of momentum that Brooks ga- gained, you know, he's lost at least a little piece of it, and that's not good. No, it isn't, and certainly hope he makes a, a speedy recovery, but it's alarming that he's not able to tee it up in the players. Colin Morikawa, of course, is also in category number four. He's a player that a lot of people will be eyeballing come next month. What about category number five? You just mentioned Rory McIlroy. He's the last person to win the players two years ago. He said Sunday night that he might need to make some changes, that he's getting frustrated. He doesn't know what he needs to do, but he might need to do something different. It's kind of surprising to hear that, Brian, from a guy that was ranked number one in the world this time last year, who's now number 11. Yeah, and and I understand and agree, but as the optimist... I do like a guy in Rory's in Rory's shape that just kind of had a near miss. And in his mind, you, you, the dominoes started to line up, and, and you were getting close at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and a couple things go wrong down the stretch. You feel the same way about Jordan Spieth. Uh, those those last three holes, or last or three bogeys in the last few holes. Sometimes for a guy like Rory McIlroy, the inspiration can come from what you deem as a near miss. He opened with so much promise and then only had one other round under par. A closing 76 is going to leave a bad taste in his mouth, and I kind of like Rory playing with a bad taste in his mouth. He's got a month to fix whatever he thinks he needs to fix, and this just might be enough for him. Let's go down to category number 12, Brian. That's the top 12 in ties from last year's Masters. You're talking about near misses. Well, Sung J.M. and Cam Smith finished tied for second and shot in the 60s all four days in November. Do you like one or the other in April? Well, Cam Smith has continued the hot streak. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely like I like where he's at. I think he really got a ton of confidence out of that. Remember, Sung J.M. was the rookie of the year. He had, been, he had been lauded by his peers. He'd had a whole lot of success that I don't think Cameron Smith had enjoyed. And I think this was... If if a guy like that is looking for some sort of validation, but well, that sort of performance at last year's Masters for Cameron Smith is is exactly what the doctor ordered. If he's the type of guy that needs it, and he's continued that play, and Sung J M is just going to keep playing. That's that's what we know about him. Uh, that no matter where his form is right now, with a month left, he's probably going to play four of the five tournaments or, or three of the four uh, that that are still on the calendar and. In whatever form he's in, he can he can play his way into exactly where he needs to be, and he knows exactly where he needs to be. That's a guy that that got a taste of it and now understands exactly the shots to hit. And there's going to be a bit of a difference between November and April, but the same vein as Rory McIlroy. Here's guys that that kind of got a taste of it. They they know exactly what they were missing, 
and they can work on that and be that much better in April. Many of these players that you've just referenced come from category number 16, winners of tournaments within the last year. But there are a couple of guys that aren't in category 16 that are in a number of other categories, like categories 15, 17, and 18. That is finishing in the top four of a major or making the tour championship or being in the top 50 in the world. And the two that really come to mind, Brian, are Xander Shoffley and Tony Finau. Could either one of them win the Masters a month from now? No question. Yes, they can. Xander Shoffley is number five in the world. Uh, the, the world golf rankings are broken if the fifth-ranked player in the world can't win the Masters. And Tony Finau is 14th. And there's plenty of reason, especially as, as well as, as Finau is playing right now, to think, you look ahead at this schedule that he can't pick up a victory between now and then. He just keeps knocking on the door. You hope with Finau that if there is another close call and for some reason somebody else wins, because that's what's happening to him a lot, is is not just that necessarily he's not winning, it's that somebody else is coming up and winning, that he views that as a positive and that that's not, uh, that's not something that eats away at him. I don't mind Rory making a last-minute tweak. I don't need Tony Finau playing as well as he's playing right now to make a last-minute tweak. Keep on giving yourself chances. And I feel the same way for Xander Shoffley. You know, Xander is such a contender at all these major championships. Uh, I think everybody else in the field would love to have his record, or at least most of the rest of the field would love to have his record, love to have his firepower. He just needs to convince himself that he's in the enviable position. Hey, I have to ask you, uh, you're going to be at the Players this week, and you're going to be part of the PGA Tours broadcast, their live broadcast uh, that they're going to have on the 17th hole, which is one of the coolest features that they do each and every year. As you describe the action in one of the most identifiable spots to watch golf in the world. So I'm going to put you on the spot here about Augusta National. For all of those people that are driving all around this great country, listening to our voices right now, Brian, if they ever make it to Augusta National and they have to camp out in one spot and watch golf, where should they go? Ooh, such a good question. Well, you, you know that I am partial to the area between uh, around 15 and 16. Uh, there are a set of spectator grandstands to the right of, of the green at 15, that can also see the green at 16, I think that's a pretty good spot. There's a little hillside that they recently opened up a few years back, left of the green at 16, over on the other side of that pond. That's a real good spot also. You can see all of 16, and you can see the 15th green. I'm a fan of getting to see two things in one place if you can. The tournament generally pivots right through there. The, you know, the guy that comes through that stretch with the most momentum Obviously, with only two holes left, is the guy that's usually going to win this event. If you can find a way, either in those uh, spectator grandstands on the right-hand side of 15 green or the hillside to the left of, of 16, uh, and there are some grandstands there also that it can extend far enough to see the green at 15, that's the spot that I would pick, Taylor. Uh, and it's very similar to the spot that I have been given over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't very, pick it. <laughs> yeah. It's very special to you and uh, to some other Catrix as, as well. You know, you'll love this. Ron Green Sr. covered more than 60 Masters, and I asked him the same question years ago. Where should a patron visiting for the first time go to watch golf? And he responded by saying, yes, 
And I said, I said, did you hear the question? And he said, I sure did. And the answer is yes. In other words, there isn't a wrong spot to go at Augusta National during the Masters. Yeah, I, well, Ron Green Sr. was right about a lot of things, and he was right about that. And I didn't, uh, I didn't pick that spot, but I sure <laughs> did beg for it after I got it the first time. And if you can get there, I don't think you'll be disappointed. BK, I know you're so excited about tomorrow's announcement about your analyst. Congratulations on that. Have a great week in Ponte Vedra. We'll be watching. Taylor, thank you so much. I can't wait. That's the voice of the Masters, Brian Catrick, joining us here on the Masters show. Well, Ron Green Sr. is one of the best golf writers ever. His, the thing that he has done that he is most proud of associated with golf is bring Ron Green Jr. into the business Ron Green Jr. of Global Golf Post will join us next on the Master Show on Sirius XM. The Master Show on Sirius XM. Arnold Palmer and Bill Lane, the chairman, congratulating Gary Player. So for the third time in history, Gary Player is the Masters champion. The Master Show on Sirius XM continues here. I'm Taylor Zarzer. Coming up, we'll take your, your phone calls at 866-469-0026. I'm interested to know what you're most interested in in this year's Masters. And we'll also look at an anniversary in Masters history. Joining us now is Ron Green of Global Golf Post, a frequent visitor of this show and many of our shows. Mr. Green, uh, something tells me with Tiger out of the Masters this year that Mr. DeChambeau is going to get the most eyeballs. What do you think? For sure. I think uh, flashback to November, I think we got there and it was much the same. Now, it didn't play out quite the way we expected it might or Bryson expected it would. But, yeah, I mean, coming off what he did at Bay Hill and all that, that he can do. I mean, he I mean, he sends imagination spinning right now. Uh and so you take that and you sort of do the overlay at Augusta National, and uh, I'm sure he's got his little – what are those little things you used to draw circles with in school, you know, and uh, like a compass or whatever. I don't know what they called it, but uh, he probably has all those little charts and graphs and uh, doodads to figure out Augusta National too because that's the way he is. And, you know, just imagine the possibilities on the 13th hole if he can figure out the trajectory and the launch angle and all that. Then, uh uh, be fun. Rhombus, maybe? Um, ever since they they told us that they couldn't have – Bryson couldn't have those on the course anymore, I've, I've forgotten yeah. what those are. Um, I will say another tour player, very successful tour player, told me this about Bryson at Augusta National. He said it's one thing for him to gouge it out of the rough as he does better than everybody else. It's another thing to hit from the middle of the trees. And so – he can't be spraying it as far left and right at Augusta National. I don't think, just given the pine trees that are present on the property. We, he had a little bit of a problem with that in November. Yeah, I I mean, as strong as he is, uh, I mean, he can muscle it through the ryegrass at Bay Hill and places like that, but he can't muscle it through a, a pine tree, you know, big around a shack or something. It just, you know, he'll come right back at him. So, yeah, that <clears> – <throat> You know, and that's the thing he's got to—he's got to be able to harness it and and bring it in, 
you know, for as open as Augusta is off the tee, and it is open, there are still penalties, penalties to be paid if you don't uh, keep it sort of between the, the barriers on both sides. And, the, and it, you know, it doesn't take but one tree to really sort of cause a problem because uh, it's so critical where you're coming in to the green, how you're coming into each green, given where the flags are positioned, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think as he can be really, really aggressive, and Augusta can reward aggressiveness, but I think you're playing with fire there too. You are, um, but he, he will be, I think, the biggest attention grabber when he goes to the tournament this year. It was interesting to me that the guy that still will get so much attention, even though he's not playing, will be Tiger Woods. Let's hope he can make an appearance at the Champions Dinner. Who knows if he'll be well enough uh, to do that by then, but he'll certainly still be a huge story. I found it interesting that Tiger sent him a text, Ron, right before he played in the final round at Arnie's place. I think Bryson found it interesting, too, just judging by his reaction Sunday. I I think he, uh, I mean, he was touched by it, that, 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 as he said, you know, given all he's going through, that he took time to think about me. Now, again, I don't, know what kind of shape tiger's in but he's obviously going through his recovery and uh hope hopefully starting rehab or soon and so he's watching golf and you know he played a lot with bryson leading up to Ryder cups and all that and got to know him and and they've exchanged theories you know i, I remember uh asking uh tiger if he understood some of the stuff bryson starts spewing when he's explaining tiger says yeah understand some of it and sometimes i just tell him to Hush up and go hit, go hit it. You know, yeah. uh, so I, I think he appreciates the way Bryson plays. I think it's different than anybody else plays right now, and you know, but it's, you know, it's compelling. I mean, and I think when you put that with Augusta and the possibilities there, I mean, it, it's it could really uh, it, it could be something special. I, I none of us thought he could do to Wingfoot what he did, and then he proved us wrong and. And while November didn't go the way he wanted to, uh, he said he would come back uh, different. And I think he is. He's smaller. Uh, notice he'll be smaller than he was. Uh, he didn't feel well when he was at Augusta the last time. And and I got to believe the way that one went, that November Masters went for him, it sort of nagged at him. I think he felt like, all right, the whole world was watching and, and uh, he couldn't deliver. So I think – not that you need any more incentive or motivation, but that's a little extra fleck of it in there for him. Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, or Bryson DeChambeau at the Masters? Hey, that'd be a pretty good first and second day pairing, wouldn't Grouping, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I've said all along Dustin Johnson, but at this moment he's got to give me a little more reason to feel good about it because I don't think he's driven it very well. But I, I, I think Dustin Johnson – at his best right now, uh, you know, could could just do again what he did in November. I think he is uh, so confident. I mean, it was sort of an aberration the way he's played with a couple rounds recently, just struggling with the driver. But I know he spent some time, I guess, with Alan Terrell down there in Myrtle Beach and probably worked a couple things out. So uh, I think, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson's on the short list of favorites, not just this year, the very short list, but I think for several more years to come. You know, going back to Tiger, uh, all of us are pulling for him and and hoping he makes a complete recovery. The the parallels to what happened 
72 years ago to Ben Hogan are, are eerie, or kind of eerie in a way with the car accident that Ben and his wife were involved in and, and how no one thought that Hogan would be able to walk again, let alone play golf and win major championships again, which he did. He won the 1950 U.S. Open, which was really the biggest moment of his comeback. But he won his first green jacket, his first of two Masters titles, 70 years ago in 1951 and it was uh, the the second he won the second of th- this was the second of three straight majors that he won um he won the US Open the year before and again 2 months later after that so and he basically was only playing in major championships at that time which was simply c- remarkable can you imagine how big of a story that would have been today ron i'm sure it was a big story in 1951 but with just the uh, the amount of media that we have in today's world. If Tiger does come back and win a major championship, that would be similar to what Hogan did. Yet if Hogan did it today, I, I think he probably would get a whole lot more attention. Yeah. I mean, I've, obviously there's some parallels to, to what happened to both of them with the accidents and everything. But I mean, go back to, what was it? Two Aprils ago. I mean, what Tiger did win in there. I mean, that was another capstone of an enormous comeback there and overcoming all that he you know wasn't an auto accident but you know the back issues and thinking he was done thinking we'd never see him play again a good chance of that and then there he was winning again when you know you thought months earlier you thought all hope was basically lost uh so yeah i think you know the hogan thing i mean they made a movie about ben hogan doing what he did and uh you know they've made some TV shows and movies about Tiger, maybe not the ones he'd like for him to, you know, maybe not the one he wants made yet. But, uh, you know, it, it's a lovely thought to think that maybe if we could just get him a back there, I think that would be the first step, not necessarily this April, but eventually. And, you know, and if we can get some golf out of him, great. If he can just have a good quality of life, that's obviously first right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Hogan thing, it's all been brought sort of, back up fresh again given what happened to tiger and just you know even though it happened before our times i mean to go back and read about it and see the pictures and hear the stories i mean it's just a remarkable remarkable thing he did and uh you know and toward the end there he was doing what we thought tiger was going to do basically he had only played major championships uh and and why not because you go back and look at his record i mean all right you know, if he didn't win, he was going to finish in top five. I mean, he had that remarkable stretch in the U.S. Open where, I mean, mostly he was in top four or five like every year for 10 years or something. It just – you can't even comprehend that almost. It was remarkable uh, what he did. And I think when everybody talks about Tiger and Jack, I really think they should talk about Tiger, Jack, and Hogan. Uh, those are the three best, in my opinion, that have ever played the game. Uh, finally, today is National Women's Day, Ron, and we're celebrating women uh, all over the United States, and and certainly, rightfully so, they don't deserve a day. They deserve a, a year, probably. Um, it's pretty neat that in the last you know few years, Augusta National is now at the forefront of, of uh, the movement for women in the game of golf, and the Augusta National Women's Amateur, you could argue, is the biggest amateur event there is in women's golf the u.s women's amateur is certainly a huge event too and there are others all over the world but this one has very quickly become one of the premier events 
For sure. I mean, I remember sitting in the uh, chairman's press conference, whatever it was, two or three years ago, when he sort of just dropped a little nugget that they were going to start hosting a women's amateur championship. And you sort of looked around the room like, did we just hear what we yeah. thought we just heard? Yeah. And, you know, and then immediately it became like the biggest thing, almost not the biggest thing, but one of the biggest things in women's golf. I mean, it was, it was a testament to what Augusta has become, I think, in, in terms of for all its exclusivity and, and, you know, its own little world that inside those gates there, it's also taken golf, you know, the Asian amateur, uh, the Latin American amateur, all these things, it has broadened the scope of golf on every level around the world. And I think uh, in that way it's transformed what we perceive it to be. And it's used its sort of pulpit to, to make the game better on a lot of levels. And this is just another terrific example. And while I was not there when they played the inaugural event, everybody I talked to who was there, I, I watched it and everybody who was there talked about, I mean, what a great, thing it was just the whole mm. the event of it and you know they had a great finish to it and uh to see the women play the way they did and you know come up with their own drama on sunday or the final round and it just i mean it hit all all the notes you wanted to hit and you had high you had very high expectations i think probably some people worried well i hope this doesn't fall flat i hope it doesn't whatever reason doesn't work out but it 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 exceeded the expectations. And when you can do that at Augusta, I mean, you know, you go there with pretty high expectations and it managed to eclipse those expectations. Boy, did it. Jennifer Cupjo has become one of the best players in the world. She finished second this past weekend on the LPGA tour. And um, who knows, maybe this year's winner will have that same fate in the years uh, that follow. April 3rd is the final round at Augusta national golf club before the rounds preceding the final round will be played at Champions Retreat just down the road from Augusta National. One month from today, Ron, first round of the Masters. I'll see you there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's funny, that ringtone, I've got my ringer turned back on on my phone. It's a familiar tune when somebody calls me now. I love that. I love that. Uh, coming up next, we're going to. I'm going to ask you the same question I just asked Ron. Who's the favorite to win right now? DJ, Jordan Spieth, Rory? Bryson, someone else, 866-469-0026 is the number. This is the Master Show on Sirius XM. Now back to the Masters Show on Sirius XM. There it is. Twenty years ago, Tiger completed the Tiger Slam, had all four major championships at the same time, winning the U.S. Open, the Open, and the PGA Championship in 2000, and then winning the 2001 Masters, his second of five green jackets that Mr. Woods would be able to get so far in his career. Twenty years ago, the Tiger Slam happened. Who's the favorite this year? Right now, with a month to go, if you had to pick Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, or Jordan Spieth, who would you pick? 
888-900-0026 is the number. We have a few minutes to take your calls. John Albanese and Gabe Ortiz working the boards tonight for you so they can take your phone calls. And I'm curious, do you agree with Ron Green and Brian Katrick that, D, that DJ, the defending champion that won just a few months ago in November, is once again the guy to beat with a month to go towards the Masters? Would you pick Jordan Spieth, who suddenly has found some terrific form, has not won a tournament in four years, but we all know about his exemplary Masters record. You have to think, though, with the form that Spieth has suddenly found, that at a place he's had such a great record with a couple of second-place finishes and a first, that that would suit Spieth's game well. He finished fourth this week at Bay Hill, 15th at Riviera, third at Pebble Beach, fourth in Phoenix. So he's on a hot stretch. He has not won, but he has come close. Or is it Bryson DeChambeau, the talk of golf, not only for how far he's hitting the golf ball and the aggressive lines he's taking off of the tee, especially off the par 5 sixth hole, but also because he's winning tournaments. Bryson is the only person that has won two tournaments in this super season that the PGA Tour is currently going through. So would you pick Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, or Jordan Spieth right now with a month to go towards the Masters? 866-469-0026. One of the biggest tournaments in the world is happening this week in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida at the Players. Then next week you have the Honda Classic down in Palm Beach Gardens at Jack's Place with that bear trap finish, followed by the match play event that will be played in Austin, Texas. The week after that, they'll be in San Antonio before the Masters happens in Augusta, Georgia, beginning on April the 8th. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, or Jordan Spieth? And if I'm leaving someone else out, if you think, Taylor, you didn't name the guy that I'm picking. Out of everybody in the field, I'd pick John Rahm, or I'd pick Justin Thomas. Maybe a bunch of you are on Colin Morikawa now. Xander Shoffley, a top-ranked player. Patrick Reed, he did miss the cut last week, but won the WGC the week before, or, or a couple of weeks before that. He won in San Diego and then had a really good finish at the WGC the week before that. So... Uh, there's a bunch of choices. Does Rory McIlroy complete the career Grand Slam? He's had seven chances to do so. Does it happen this year in 2021? 866-469-0026 is the number to get in right now. So give us a call. We have about five minutes or so where we can take your phone calls. I would love to hear your thoughts on who you think will win the Masters this year and if you are on board with one of those favorites that we just went over. And then weeks to come, we're so excited about this show, as the Masters show will be presented by UPS, a brand-new sponsor to this program, and we will have extraordinary guests on in the next four weeks before we get to Masters Week. It will include past champions. It will include people connected to Augusta National Golf Club, and we're excited about that. So those are the next four shows. And then the final edition of the Masters show will happen on Monday, April the 12th, the day after the final round of the Masters, which, of course, is scheduled for Sunday, April the 11th. As we've been talking about throughout tonight's program 
On Saturday, April the 3rd, the Augusta National Women's Amateur will conclude in Augusta, Georgia at Augusta National Golf Club. And then the next day is the drive, chip, and putt. And that will be played, of course, once again at Augusta National, two years removed from the last time that they had it. Recently, on one of our programs, Hitting the Green with Jason Sobel and Michael Collins, Jason Sobel said this about Patrick Reed being the odds-on favorite. And so I was looking at the odds last night, and boy, at 30-1, to people aren't going to like this, Mikey. People are not going to like this. People are going to get mad at me as if I did something wrong. Look, all you. But I don't 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 be mad at facts and numbers. Don't be mad at facts and numbers. We're just spitting out facts and numbers. Don't be mad at that. I tell people all the time: when you're a journalist, you have to be objective. And I think it's the same thing when you're a better. You have to be objective. Yes. I I see a lot of gamblers who say, "Hey, so and so is my favorite player. I'm going to take him again this week." Well, that's. If he's your ben favorite with player, your heart, not your head. Just because you like him, that's not really how this works. If he's your favorite player, because you think, man, his ball striking is great, he fits this course again. I'm going to keep hitting. Okay, well that that I don't mind, but y- you've got to stay objective. And so, when I tell you this, I say this is from an objective point of view. Thirty to one, Patrick though. Reed at thirty to one is a very nice Masters futures play right now. It He's certainly is, and I mean, you think about that uh, thirty to one odds. It's pretty strong, and I'm sure that'll be talked about in great detail the week of the Masters. We'll see if Patrick Reed still has out odds like that once we get to Augusta. But there are going to be so many other choices as well. Uh, Tony Finau is going to be a guy that's going to be popular that week, even though he has not won a golf tournament in more than five years. Tony Finau's record, not only at a Masters but also on a week by week basis is so strong that you would have to think that Finau would be somebody that many people would like. I have to tell you right now, I like Finau a lot. I know that he's probably going to feel the nerves. It's only natural the more and more you come close every single week, the more you wonder, can you get it done? But that is the kind of place Finau would excel in. Remember, Finau finished tied for 10th in 2018 and did that after dislocating his ankle and popping it back into place. He finished tied for fifth in 2019, played in the final group with Tiger and Molinari, and tied for 38th last year. So Finau will be another person to think about at Augusta National. Xander Shoffley is somebody that has not won in a couple of years, and he's somebody to watch out for in Augusta this year. Shoffley finished tied for second in 2019 and it several points in the final round was tied for the lead with tiger woods before finishing tied for second he's another guy to watch once we get to augusta a month from now up next we pay tribute to a man that won this tournament for the first time 70 years ago you will hear the highlights from the 1951 masters when the Master Show continues on Sirius XM. Here is the man on his way to winning his third Masters title. The Masters Show. Straight putt. And there is your champion of 1962 at the Masters Classic in Augusta, Georgia. The champion for the third time here at the Masters, Arnold Palmer. On Sirius XM. 
What's most remarkable about what Chris Schenkel was saying there is what Palmer did in 1961, double bogeying the last hole as Gary Player would win the Masters in 1961, and Palmer, instead of going back-to-back, finished second. He won it in 58, he won it in 60, but he came back and he won it again in 1962. And one of my favorite quotes ever was by Dan Jenkins, who is one of the greatest sports writers of all time. Dan Jenkins said this about Arnold Palmer. This is true, I think. He is the most immeasurable of all golf champions, but this is not entirely because of all that he has won or because of that mysterious fury with which he has managed to rally himself. It is partly because of the nobility he has brought to losing. And more than anything, it is true because of the pure, unmixed joy he has brought to trying. He has been, after all, the doggedest victim of his of us all. That's what made Palmer just intoxicating. And he won it for the third time in 1962. Eleven years earlier, in the 1951 Masters, Ben Hogan was trying again to win the Masters for the first time. After the first day, Hogan was two shots behind George Fazio, the uncle of Tom Fazio, and past Masters champions Lloyd Mangrum and Sam Snead. By the time the second round had finished, Hogan was a shot behind Ski Regal tied with Fazio and the old Oakmont club pro Lou Worsham. After the third round, Hogan was a shot behind Ski Regal and Sam Snead going into the final round. Let's listen to the highlights of the Masters from 70 years ago. Here's the final round. Spectators are in the 18th green awaiting Snead, Regal, Mangrum, Hogan, and the other stars. Snead just misses a 10-foot putt. Then disgustedly stabs it in for a disastrous 80 and a four-round total of 291. This knocks Sam out of top contention. It gave him a ninth place, $450. Tulsa's Key Regal carefully lines up a pitch shot at the 18th. And he almost holds off with the beautiful 9-iron shot. Regal's final round of 71 gives him a 282 total, and at this point it looks like Regal has a first place prize in the bag. Regal describes the play as Lawson Little and Jimmy DeMarit look on. The Masters is the favorite golf club of General Dwight Eisenhower. He enjoys talking golf with Jones, Roberts, Willard, and members of the Masters. Lloyd Mangrum walks onto the 18th to put away a four-foot putt. Lloyd continues in his winning ways and remains one of 1951's leading money winners by finishing fourth with a four-round total of 286. Frank Stranahan finished fourth among the amateur entries. Watch the break on Frank's putt. Horton Smith and Claude Harmon come up to the 18th. Horton Smith's pitch is just a foot short. And he puts out for a 75, a former Masters champion. And also former Masters champion Claude Harmon sinks a one-footer for a final round 76. Here's dynamite, Bill Goodlow putting up. Beautiful putt, Bill. Bill caught it a 74 and 71 in the early rounds, but his final round 88 dropped him way down. Very popular young fellow from Valdosta. Hits the ball a mile. 
very amiable with the fans and enjoys playing with his fellow players. Now we swing back up to our broadcasting booth where Jimmy DeMarit describes the action while the crowds wait for Ben Hogan. Sportsman Bob Woodruff, Ben Fairless, Gene Grace, many fans are on hand. Here comes Bantam Ben, stepping up to the 18th tee. Hogan is having a sensational final round and comes to the 18th with 64. Partner Lou Worsham, who at this point is shooting Park off, can't hope to catch the little Texan, but he's a sure bet to finish high in the money. The big scoreboard shows Ben Hogan needs only a bogey five and the final hole to beat Ski Regal. And a huge crowd gathers at the 18th, all eager to see if the little Texan can walk off with the $3,000 first prize money and Gotham's greatest championship. Hogan lies two here, 20 feet off the green, lines up his shot, and pitches within inches of the cup. A beautiful shot, almost hold out. It looks like Ben has done it again. Three strokes left to sink a two-inch putt. And he putts out for a 68. Ben's best round of the four-day tournament. Hogan wins his first Masters. Amazing to listen to all of that. Three shots better than anyone else in the field. Ski Regal finishing second at six under. Hogan finishing in first place. At eight under par, originally was scheduled to make $3,000 um, or actually less than that. But the high attendance of 15,000 people on site on Sunday raised the final earnings 50%. So the winner's share went from being around uh, just over $2,000 to $3,000. And the entire purse went to fifteen thousand dollars because of the size of the gate you think back to ben hogan's horrible crash in 1949 and many thought he would never play again he came back to win the u.s open in 1950 he won the masters and the u.s open in 1951 on a stretch of winning three consecutive majors that he entered he would win the masters again in 1953, as well as the U.S. Open, and his only trip to the Open was at Carnoustie in 1953. So in total, he won five of his nine major championships after that terrible car crash in 1949 and won the Masters twice. It happened 70 years ago at Augusta National Golf Club. Ben Hogan, the Masters champion. What a story. That was. I love listening to that and appreciate John Albanese putting it together. We appreciate Brian Katrick and Ron Green for coming on tonight's show and talking about their thoughts on the 2021 Masters, which is scheduled from a month from today, as well as what we celebrate on National Women's Day with, of course, the Augusta National Women's Amateur happening in early April and concluding Saturday, April the 3rd at Augusta National Golf Club. Thanks to John Albanese and Gabe Ortiz for producing tonight's program. I'm Taylor Zarza. Remind you whether you agree or disagree, it's all for him. Look for a big announcement about SiriusXM's coverage of the Masters tomorrow morning, and we'll be back with the Masters show next Monday night on SiriusXM.